So, uh, hey, welcome to Two Girls, a Guy, and a Tardis, episode 16. Woohoo! We have a special yeah. guest with us today. Her name is Busty Warren. She's the writer extraordinaire of Don't Blink, a Doctor Who burlesque. And we'll get to talking to her about that a little bit in a little bit. But uh, first, uh, would you like to say hi? Hi. First, we'll, I'm going to find out why I sound so weird, but I think it's because of my earbuds I'm using. I think because you're weird. Yeah, that's definitely true, too. <laughs> that's 100% true. Uh, but everyone's here tonight, and um, I think we'll just go over some quick news tidbits. Not that there's a whole lot. Yeah, and uh, a lot. Maybe we'll just make up some rumors. <laughs> oh, I heard, I heard that uh, they're going to reanimate Michael Jackson's corpse to play the next Doctor. Oh, no! I'm starting that rumor right now. I want to know how. I want to know. Yes, I, I really, now I've heard that rumor too. Now yeah, you have yeah. heard that rumor. I have heard it too from a very reliable source. Yes. Yeah, I'm a pretty reliable source too. So she's she's in the TV industry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, what and give up showbiz? <laughs> but I um, I, I I wonder how much truth there really is to that that they were gonna that they were considering that. You know that they, they yeah. were considering, considering his Michael daughter. Jackson and uh, no, they were supposedly Joanna had told us and oh. I had read this. They were considering making an American version of Doctor Who in the 80s using either Bill Cosby or Michael Jackson. I missed that rumor entirely, and I was in the 80s. Yeah. I, mean, I, I wonder on how accurate that well, really they gave, was. Well, they did give us Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Which, which, was, yeah. was, which a, was a phone yeah. booth. Guy in a phone booth, which I didn't catch on to till many years later, and I was sorely disgusted with them for doing that because of all the modes of transportation they could use they went with a phone booth well, kind of isn't it kind of paying homage in a way though too to what the phone booth to doctor who oh well yeah but i mean it's a police call box a lot of in a lot of americans don't know what that is cause uh, we it's, didn't not have a, them. it's not a phone booth so yeah. to them it's to a lot of americans it's a phone booth yeah but i, I see it as an homage so much as a rip off <laughs> <laughs> says the woman who wrote the parody <laughs> Ah, stones. Ow. Okay. But um, I, I, I would love, I would have loved to have seen George Carlin as a cranky doctor. Yeah. And I would have liked to have actually let them just beep out what he was saying. <laughs> but yeah, so there was a rumor going around that they were going to do this movie or this TV show, and they were going to cast Bill Cosby or Michael Jackson. I cannot. And Michael Jackson. And, it's both. Yeah. Oh, it's both. Okay. What? Yes. Oh, because he would regenerate. Which way would he go? From Michael Jackson to Bill Cosby or the other way? Do you think when a, a companion would show up in the TARDIS, he'd be like, would you like some pudding pops? <laughs> no. No. He would be like, oh, would you like some pudding pops? Okay. That's, yeah. See, I was going to try doing that, but I knew I couldn't pull it off. Uh, that's the closest <laughs> I can get. So that was a that was actually a rumor that... That. That's why. That's what I thought you were talking I about when you said that. No, I was actually joking. <laughs> I I was trying to remember. I couldn't remember the name of his daughter that they floated the rumor about her being Paris. the Lisa, next Lisa Marie. Or oh, no, no, Paris. Paris. Is it? Yeah. Oh my lord! No, Lisa Marie was his wife. Wasn't wife. It? Yeah, yeah, wife. Well, whatever. Wife, daughter, whichever. Oh my god! <laughs> Remind me not to go to your family picnic. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he. Uh, so that was a rumor. But our rumor. Let's. I don't know. Let's see. What rumor can we start? Uh, we oh. could start the rumor that the Daleks are in the 50th. Oh, wait, that's not a rumor anymore. <laughs> that's true. Oh, what a, wait a minute. You mean the number one? Can you tell, can you tell who, which host squeezed the most on the microphone? <laughs> <laughs> and which one is on Skype? <laughs> <laughs> Skype is not good for squeeing. No, it, 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 very, it really peaks out the levels. Yeah. It, it, uh, it well, you'll, you'll find out we, when you listen to this in a couple as days. As we used to say, it pins them. It, Pins them, pins them, popping and pinning. Right. Um, Sorry, but yeah. So <laughs> the, the Daleks return for the fiftieth episode, which I, 
you had to know that they couldn't leave it just being the Zygons. It's, you, well, it's probably, I mean, it'll probably be more mm-hmm. than just the Daleks and the Zygons. And I, I keep wanting to say Zygotes, and I know that's incorrect. But <laughs> just a, just a it's touch a very, different. very, very small aliens. Yes. Um, <laughs> parasites, in fact. Yeah, they're, they're probably going to be all kinds of new and exciting. I mean, not all kinds of new, but all kinds of existing aliens. And maybe they'll be smart enough to come up with a new one. It'd be nice, but... I, I'm still oh, I'm still not really comfortable with the idea of it being a one hour episode. I had heard I heard movie now, length now. Okay, whatever. Yeah, it's still one episode. It's essentially I was, one episode. Well, I, I mean, but, but the five doctors was one episode. It was one story spanning yeah, four episodes like, or whatever. Yeah, the five doctors was so long ago. We're talking about fifty years now. Well, We're talking you, about an international but you phenomenon. Can, you can also make the argument now mm-hmm. that it's more popular than it's ever been, and they only have the two lit- latest doctors. Oh, yeah, I'll get into that. I'll be happy to get into that. And, and I can understand, like, the older ones because they don't look the same. as so I can get that. But I had dead. made the comment that why not have, like, hear their voices inside Matt Smith's head or something. Like, he gets shocked by the TARDIS council or something, you know, and he hears yeah, them talking to him. They, there could have been ways mm-hmm. to do it. And at the minimum, Paul McGann could have been in it just to tie the I think Paul McGann is in it. Well, now, no, see, now the, that's, that's all that, a good rumor. I've that heard that rumor. That but heard. I've heard that rumor that he's in it. I've also had, heard a rumor... That or I, not a rumor, but I've heard that Moffat was inter- being interviewed and they asked him why was John Barrowman not in it, and he said, "How do you know what's in it, what's not in it?" I've been lying my ass off about this for the last six months. You have no idea what's really yeah, going John on. Yeah, John Barrowman said in a post mm-hmm. himself, "Please stop asking. It's not a secret. I'm not in it, and it hurts when you ask and remind me." But now Poor he John. could. But he had come out and said he was. So I wonder if all that's been damage control. You really, no one knew the Daleks were in it. I mean, they were able to hide that for how many months? I would be very surprised to see Captain Jack. Well, I'd be surprised to see Paul McGann, though, because there was no rumors of him being on set. I don't ever want to see Paul McGann. I'm sorry, but that was just embarrassing. At least it was Doctor Who. Yeah, that's right. I'll take, I'll take. No, don't get me wrong. I'll take bad Doctor Who over good almost anything. I'll I'll take Paul McGann's one episode over most of Colin Baker's run. Mm, that's kind of cold, but okay. Yeah, I can see that. Well, and, and I said before, I don't blame Colin Baker for it so much. I mean, maybe when I was a kid, I did because I didn't know any better. But man, the stories—I mean, it's just. Oh. Well, but he didn't write them. That's what I mean. It wasn't and he his didn't fault. pick his outfit. You and, know, that's they... why I said I don't blame Colin for it. But yeah, I can see why the show was was really on the ropes after that one. Because Davison wasn't half bad. No, I've watched a lot of Davison. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I went from watched... a baker, I managed to make the leap to Davison, and that's when I kind of accepted the fact that this was a role beyond an actor and thought yeah. that was mm-hmm. nifty. Yeah. But then, yeah, then it got weird. <laughs> and then it came back around with McCoy, who I thought did a fine job. I liked McCoy. You know? It's a little mm-hmm. dark for me. Anyways, back to Doctor Who. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's so, uh, what we're here for. That is yes. what we're here for. Yes, yeah. Uh, so the Daleks are returning. We found that out. And also, there's an exhibition in, uh, is it London? Yeah. Yeah, in London called Sophie, Sophie's World. It is pictures that were taken of Sophie Aldred in, during her time as Ace that have not been seen before from, like, behind scenes on set and stuff. And they're having an art exhibition with it. Is, is this part of the Big Doctor Who exhibition? I don't know. Or just I, no, on I, its I, own I don't think. It, I think it's just on its own. It doesn't. It didn't really say it was. Uh, it's, it's being hosted be. by Orbital Comics and Gallery in Great on Great Newport Street huh. in London. So it's, it, it's and it, of, they, I guess they found some negatives that had been missing for like twenty two years. Oh, so much oh, of wow. this, so much history is missing. It kills me. 
Yeah. Almost all of Jamie uh, McCrimmon's run, (laughs) which he was on the show longer than Sarah Jane. Mm -hmm. He had more episodes. Well, not anymore. Not anymore. Now they're all telesnaps. God, it's so rough trying to watch those second Doctor ones with the telesnaps. You're just sitting there like... Uh-huh. I, I find it better if you just listen to it, like, if you're on the radio, listen to yeah. the radio. Yeah. And then, uh, Nicole, you found some news. Well, the, the 50th is going to be broadcast simultaneously around the world. So we get to watch it at 1 p.m. Yeah. Middle of the Since I believe it's us. a six-hour difference between us and six London. Seven, it's, I think I believe it's six. Depending on the time of year. Eight-hour flight, six. Yeah, I think six they were difference. saying it's, like, what is it, early Sunday it's, morning it's gonna for be like, Australia. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, it's because they don't want spoilers to yeah. get out. But it's like, really? Actually, I kind of like that because I, I DVR everything. I watch almost nothing as it happens. Hmm. And I don't have... A, Same I, here. Yeah, I don't have the bandwidth to stream anything. So I, I DVR it and I watch it later. Where do you live, Iraq? Uh, <laughs> Chicago. <laughs> I'm on the far northwest side of the city. And yeah, the, I've talked to AT&T several times. And I have like the second s- slowest DSL they offer because that's what I can get. That's that's my infrastructure problem. So I oh, can't... Wow. You know, Whatever. Because we're on AT&T right now. And it works fine. The, yeah, well, hey. Hi, AT&T. <laughs> if you ever get to my neighborhood, give me a call. If you ever want to put fiber off the cable through that neighborhood. Oh, that'd be so nice. But for the moment, i got to watch on DVR. So oh, That's fine, though. Yeah, but it always bugs me when I, you know, I didn't watch an episode one night, and the next morning I'm on Facebook, and I see, you know, like 400 screen captures with text, and, mm-hmm. and like, okay, what did I miss, and why is this out of context? And then I go back and watch the episode, and I find myself waiting for that one moment that was screen grabbed, and... It just ruins it. I don't like any kinds of spoilers. I never watch previews. I never, you know, read ahead. I would do next week on whatever. I, I hate that. I like to go in yeah. absolutely blank. And it's the same thing with movies. I like, I don't watch previews. I don't really? read reviews. I love to go I'm in. I'm so the opposite. Oh, no. I've been no. jaded by so many movies that I thought were going to be good that now I want to know, I want to know what happens because I don't want to get to the end of a movie and go, I want those two hours of my life back. Well, that doesn't happen very often because I just simply am very picky with the movies I go to. I mean, no, I'm not. <laughs> uh, well, see, there's the issue, is it? Well, because no, I like sci-fi movies, and sci-fi movies, I, I know for a fact, are never going to be an Academy Award-winning movie. So I know not to expect At, much you, from them. I bet Oblivion wins for sound. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, dude. It looked good. Dude, it's awesome. Well, because they <laughs> had the... No, seriously, they had the guy who wrote the original comic... Uh, I think write and direct the movie. Well, that that helps. It it helps tremendously to have a single vision. There's none of that, you know, well, what if we change? No. Uh, And the, I don't want to ruin it, because, or maybe I will, because you're into that. (laughs) Uh, Well, we do have listeners that might not want it ruined. I won't ruin it, but (laughs) the sound effects are fantastic. I mean, you never doubt the veracity of these um, orbs that are threatening (laughs) <laughs> I will not say anything. I, you have to see it. It's one of those things where... It has tocophane or toc... What is it from the... Tocophane. Remember from the... Yeah. Yeah. So those those are in that episode, in that movie. Awesome. I love, by the way, that, you know, they do nothing but come up with names of planets and races and languages and things, and they have to come up with one that isn't plausible. It's like trocophane versus trenzalore. I mean, okay, one sounds slightly different, but... Trenzalore sounds like something from a grim uh, a grim story. Well, yes, it's got it's got it's got a that a, that allure <laughs> sound, you know that that uh, you know like it's lore like stories. Mm. You know, it's funny you were saying how you don't like uh, spoilers and stuff. And the last guest we had, who was another writer, just not a uh, I don't think she ever wrote any scripts or anything. Uh, 
was like me and my friend at work loves knowing what's going loves knowing oh. it. we get more excited well, to want to watch it we differed when the um episode went out early the finale and you went and looked and searched out rumors and i was like no, i searched I'm just to see if i could find anything. it but i don't i didn't really <laughs> find anything and i didn't really if i did find it i don't know if i would have read it and you don't know even reading what is a spoiler you don't really know if the person's really putting you know what's there but that's just it. I, I would rather not know anything because then, it, you know, some, they might spoil something that isn't big. And then at the end of the episode, I'm like, that wasn't important. And then I might have missed what was important because I was paying so much attention to the thing that was said to be important. Oh, see, I don't do I don't go that. I trust no one but the show. I just I want the show to give me the show. I don't need any outside information. I mean, I, I love discussions about it after the fact. Sure. Absolutely love that. But I don't want to hear it before it goes on the... I'm sticking my hands in my ears, which have <laughs> headphones on them, so it's not a very good look. But Actually, yeah, I don't want to know. It, well, you know I have a question. Go ahead. Um, what are your thoughts on, like, like, like next week on Doctor Who type I, of stuff? I fast forward through that, and I delete. I do not watch any of that. Oh, wow. I don't want to know. I don't, want to, I don't even want to see what the producers think is going to sell the next episode, because I know I'm going to watch it. That's true. It's not like I have <laughs> yes. to be sold. It's just, ah, I don't want to know. I don't want to see anything. You want to be surprised. I want to be, comp- I, and I, I'm, I do this with every show. Like, I will, you know when you are on the DVR and you click on the show you're going to watch and it gives you the little synopsis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like, look away. <laughs> I look away from the synopsis <laughs> and hit play, and I do not look at the TV until the synopsis is gone. I don't want to know anything. <laughs> I just, I have this feeling that I want to kind of uh, exp- experience it, what the writer intended. Hmm. You know, what the writer and the director and the producer intended. I want to get the story the way that they intended it to be presented. I don't want to, I don't want it sold to me. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes yeah. sense. It's just mm-hmm. not the way I am, but it makes sense. I, I mean, I I'm, understand it. I'm a purist, you know. It's the yeah. same reason I'm not much into speculation of who's going to be the next doctor. I say, whatever, they'll get somebody, it'll be, I'll tell you who the next doctor is going to be. You want to know who the next doctor is going to be? Sure. He's going to be a guy who is white between 25 and 40, uh, a British, a male. Thank you. And somebody and cute, she throws and cute, yes, cute is in there. And somebody who may or may not be known around the UK, but is definitely uh, not known in the United States. There, that's who the next doctor is going to be. Spoiler alert. I mean, would you want a woman doctor? No. <gasps> next question. Well, because like that, that's a big thing. Every time there's a new doctor, it's oh, is it time for a woman doctor? No, you know why? Because it's been on for fifty years. You want to? You want a female time lord? I have no problem with that. Make a show with a female Time Lord. I'll watch well, it. Romana was a female Time Lord. Yeah. I mean, bring back Romana. Do something. I'll watch it yeah, if it's a female Time Lord. Another but companion who's a Time Lord. I, yeah, you know, because they're going to run no into they're going to run into this thing. And I said this on one of our other podcasts. You get you make it a woman. You make it a woman doctor. And then if you go back to a male doctor after that, and the next one after that's male, everyone's going to be like, oh, see, they failed. It didn't work. No one can. When in reality, it's just the nature of the business and the nature of the show. Yeah, it would have no nothing to do with it. That's so. also nature of the lore. Yeah, the lore is, is yeah. that he's a, he's a male. Yeah, I mean yeah, that's uh, that is actually something that I have uh, considered tremendously because, of course, in my show I have women playing the doctor, but they're yes, women. Yes, you do. And well, I have women playing the doctor, <laughs> but they have become actual women. They're the doctor who has become a woman. It's a, and I have the opportunity to have you know my doctors freak out because they've become women, and I honestly think that it would be. I mean. Just, there's a great hint of it when Matt Smith first 
regenerated when he felt his slightly longer hair and freaked out thinking mm-hmm. he was a girl. Mm-hmm. I think it would be like that for, you know, the entire series. It's like, oh, my God, I'm a girl. I can't do anything. And also, there's a comedian who pointed out something brilliant, is that if you are a white male, you can show up at any point in history and pretty much be okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you're a woman or a person of color, there are just places you can't go to, in time and, and location. Well, people, you know. people like to kind of forget that when they write shows and almost rewrite history. And it's like, I understand why you want to do that, because it wasn't right. Well, but yeah. back then... You, you, like what show was I watching? I was watching um, the King Arthur one that was on. Uh, no, Merlin. It was Merlin. Yes. And in it, uh, Guinevere's father is a blacksmith, and he's he's a black gentleman, and very talented blacksmith, and great actor. I've seen him in other stuff, and she's black and very pretty girl, great actress. So he was a Moor. Well, the thing is, though, everyone's like, oh, you know, it's good that they finally did that. I'm like, you do understand in medieval England, there probably weren't a whole lot of people that were black. Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to be a racist. I'm just, Is, back then in that country, it wasn't like that. Although, if you want to get into historical accuracy, I mean, uh, there's a lot of episodes you could tear to pieces oh, if you want to get into historical accuracy. Yeah. And, and it's great, you know, they, but you're right, they will show, oh, look, a lesbian couple in Victorian England. I yeah. want to believe. And it's completely okay, and no one's trying to burn them at the stake like they're witches. Well, nobody, well, <laughs> one of them is a lizard, lizard and nobody yeah. has a problem with that either for some right. reason. Right, right. Although I do like when people faint when they see her. Yeah, no, I think I think uh, well, that was somebody pointed that out when it was uh, the same guy Master every time. Met, uh, the, well, I can't. He was like his the name constable, now, the great right? Intelligence, you know. Oh, Richard E. Grant. Richard E. Grant's character. Yeah, yeah, I can't I can't remember his name, but he he was like, you know, and how would people feel if it was revealed that the great detective is a woman? Like, yeah. What about a lizard woman? Yeah. Like, he she has scales. The scandal part is the the woman. That was part of the <laughs> joke, I think, yeah. is that yeah. you know, they would be more scandalized by a woman than a... Yeah, it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. I love that he points and you're like, but everyone takes it really well that she's a lizard. Well, like, the, those particular episodes... They think episodes, she just has a skin condition. The episodes with, with Lady... she got her veil. The episodes with Lady Vastra and Strax and Jenny, which they you know kind of feel like... a been off waiting to happen which I, I i think would do well yeah i think it'd be a great like i hate saying replacement but i think it'd be a great sarah jane replacement uh for like the, maybe for like a slightly older child demographic but yeah they they, they, they could be fun um yeah. and they but that's they're written with a kind of a oh nobody's going to get seriously hurt in this one episode mm-hmm. you yeah. always kind mm-hmm. of know because once you have a centauran who's you know being basically a footman and yeah. you know threatening to use huge weapons he doesn't have <laughs> I think he should have did that in that episode? I think they should have been like, "Yeah, okay, go ahead, go right, go right ahead, and just take him out." Yeah, I mean, once once you have all that in place, it's clearly just a different tone, and those are great mm-hmm. episodes. They're just they're just well, we talk about some of the episodes being really dark. Mm-hmm. These are really not dark, and, and they're fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're they're really fun, and they're you need fun. you need fun but episodes they, periodically to you know because it's not it's a drama, out, but not, you know they started out darker. Because when they came in and a good man goes to war, she was fresh off of killing Jack the Ripper. Hmm. And they, like, brought him in, and then they, like, well, made but Stra- him lighter but was, they brought yeah. him back. Like, I think they, maybe they realized that that particular trio is kind of bizarre. <laughs> just, I mean, just a touch. <laughs> I, I, can, I can almost understand this, you know, a lizard lady walking around with a veil, but how does Strax function? Do people just assume he's some sort of a... I think they just say he's somebody from, like, Eastern Europe. 
I, I do. I think they probably just think he's like bohemian or something that you know no one in England would ever really see a lot of. <laughs> he's. I don't know. I think they they kind of put him on display like the Elephant Man. <laughs> I don't think he'd be able to just walk around. I think no. he'd be you know captured by doctors and examined. I you know. But again, silly me imposing my realism on the show. But, but that's that's kind of where I was going to go with what I was saying is that you know for TV shows, you know. You shouldn't applaud them either way. It's a TV show. It's not going to be historically accurate unless oh, it's no. a documentary. And half those aren't even historically yeah, accurate. Yeah, well. So, you know, enjoy it for what it is. And, you know. Oh, I don't go to Doctor Who for history. That's for darn sure. No, why? Because no. why? Because um, Mount Vesuvius erupted three different ways? Yeah, let's not go there. <laughs> uh, no, I, it, again, it's, uh, it's uh, well, we have to But you go there for fun. Yeah, we have a saying in the news business, never let facts get in the way of a good story. But uh, one more so question for you that I have. Yes, dear. Do you think that the sonic screwdriver Harry Potter wand comparison is becoming more and more accurate? Do you think they're relying too much on the sonic screwdriver in episodes? Well, you've seen Futurama, right? Mm -hmm. Do you know what they call the drive in their spaceship? It's called the convenience drive. Yeah. Because any drive that is not faster than the speed of light by multiple degrees is going to make a very boring show. Right. So they have a convenience drive to allow them to get <laughs> from place to place. And on, on Star Trek, I remember knowing this, you know, noticing this 30 years ago when I would watch Star Trek with my friend after school. Hi, Sandy. Um, we would watch Star Trek, and so much exposition and time was saved with the phrase, sensors indicate. Mm-hmm. Once they said sensors indicate, they just saved so much time in you know sending down a probe and and testing the atmosphere. And, well, you, you would know. assume mm-hmm. that that was all done, right? That's that just, you just didn't see it. Well, no, that's just it. They have sensors that do that. So, yeah. if it weren't for this little device that has what four hundred uses and counting, it's catching then, up the duct tape. Wow, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> well, because I mean, we were, okay, like today we watched Robot. Yeah. And in Robot, Tom Baker is cutting the door open with the sonic screwdriver. Sure, and not? the robot appears. And instead of doing anything with the sonic screwdriver and stopping the robot, they take off. Where in today's, it would be the door opens, the robot's there, and Matt Smith does something. And Not always. I mean, remember, the doctor doesn't attack anybody. It, would, it takes well, a lot of He would disable the robot. He wouldn't attack it, per se. He wouldn't kill it. He would just stop it from well, moving or something. I think that the sonic has evolved along with the doctor as it's gotten older. I mean, obviously, we know he's had different ones. Yeah. Upgrades, oh, yeah. Each, as each, it were. each doctor. Yeah. And that's Except more for, for marketing purposes. I think I aside think. from Baker or Colin Baker and oh. McCoy, they didn't have one. Nobody cared, nobody cared back then. <laughs> well, that's why they got rid of it in the first place, though, was that they believed it was becoming something used too often. Oh, can you ever use a sonic screwdriver too often? Yes. What? You know what? what? You know what? what? In, the, in the episode Rings of Akaten... Yeah. Yes. When okay. he's yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, the biggest problem because that wasn't even Sonic. That was a laser beam coming out of it. I the biggest use of the Sonic uh, misuse, I think, of the Sonic screwdriver was in the Crips, the Christmas episode with the flying sharks. Uh, okay. Okay. We, yeah, I Took me a second. Yeah. I, I, for, some re- for some reason, the trailer for Sharknado popped into my head. No, there. not <laughs> it's, it's where for whatever reason the Sonic breaks and apparently both halves still function like a worm. Yeah. And a shark has eaten one end, and to return it, this woman is going to sing into the other end, and now it's a microphone. And I'm like, that is, I mean, I will accept a lot out of the sonic screwdriver. That was pushing it. I will accept it opening doors. I will accept it harmonizing things to break. Mm -hmm. I will accept it 
Because even even in Chris Eccleston's series, when Jack Harkness and them in the Empty it's Child, Sonic, yeah, exactly. Was, what did you do? Say I had to put up. What, what did you say? Oh, that screwdriver could be a little more Sonic because it doesn't. It didn't do anything to help them there. Yeah, that was a great moment of. And but then it's suddenly. Yeah, it's Spiritus it Illuminatus or something. At the, at I the, love, I love that he reads stuff from it. it and there's no like, display on it. Yeah, he like exactly. Looks at it and he's like, "Who did I mention it to? Did I mention it to not, Sarah?" And I'm like, "Yeah, suddenly it has no a display." Like, what, well, what you know, what? I I figure it has entropics like or entropics like um, it just kind of shows up on the metal. But like only he can read them oh. because they're floating around it in you know in space. Because I mentioned that on one of our podcasts. I think it was when Sarah was on, and I'm like. How does it work? You know, there's no display on it. Yeah. And she's like, maybe he just does it so he looks so he looks important. Convenience drive. That's <laughs> yes. all I'm going to say. Convenience drive. Well, it, that, that's better than the... Well, that's what makes Doctor Who more of a fantasy than science fiction. And I'm biting my tongue as I say this. But in the end, it really is more of a fantasy. Well, I mean, t- I mean to me, science, science fiction is... Oh, no. Well, oh, it, you don't want to go no, there no, with not, me. I'm not going to say it's fantasy. But, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, it's make-believe. Yeah. Well, a I mean, they're it. all stories. Yeah. Um and, you know, I've had the, the Star Wars, Star Trek, which one is science fiction? The, you know, the idea of Star Wars not being science fiction, because it isn't. It's, an uh, act, it's action. It's, well, it's a space <laughs> opera. And I have no problem with space operas, but I personally really like hard science fiction, like, you know, Asimov and Clark, where something actually gets Something invented. is based in science. Right, mm-hmm. and the story revolves which around Which Star Trek, it. actually, a lot of it is based in science. Which is why Star yeah. Trek is great science fiction, and Star Wars is, is a space opera. But Doctor Who is a straight-up fantasy. Um, you know, with without the, orcs and stuff, but yeah, yeah. Well, well, he might go somewhere with them. You never know. Well, that's just it. it. You know, they might as well be orcs. You know, the various impossible to defeat aliens that he somehow defeats, mm-hmm. and um, and you know the the mystical lead and the the acolytes who follow him. It's very very wizardy, mm-hmm. but it's got this veneer of science fiction that I think makes it at least to me more appealing he definitely now more than ever has a um, a Merlin-esque uh, way about him yeah you know what I mean he's, he's mystical he's always he's, had he's mysteries he's got that like that that almost the wisdom and why like kind of like mm-hmm. he, he almost is kind of like a Dumbledore in a sense which is based off of Merlin. You know, I mean, it all goes back yeah. to the same the same yeah. piece of lore. Well, just look he at is kind of like that. I mean, look at to his a point. Enemies now that they're at. I mean, you add someone like the Weeping Angels. You don't really see them so much as like a civilization living somewhere. That they're like magical creatures almost that are. The they, quantum kinda, locked. What my favorite part about the Weeping? Does that mean? Oh well, I they've accept gotten it. a little more. Even like the aliens have gotten a little more fantasy. Yes, I think they're of. just trying to make it something. Well, I like when they play on this. These existed before time began. You know, I I, I don't mind that. Then why so much. do they look like people? But, but my question, yeah, my question is with the Weeping Angels is what what's their what's their objective? To survive. You know what the, like, you know what the Daleks want. You know what the Cybermen want. The Weeping Angels because we had this discussion. They and, want energy. They want to survive. They feed like anything else. But are they really bad guys? No, that's, that's just see, how they happen to operate. Well, no, it's not even that. We had this discussion, and I had said that the Weeping Angels, in the first episode you see them in, the girl that they send back in time actually had a pretty good life. Oh, yeah, that's why. Everyone it, that they've sent back in time actually lives a, probably a better life than they were going to. So are the they really bad guys? 
well, that's. I think they they point that out in that same episode. There, it's the kindest death or the kindest killing or something. Only psychopaths to kill you nicely. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. Yes. Um, oh. I can't quote that well. That's impressive. Quite Joanna. Ew. I like the weep- the weeping angels as bad, good slash. Well, they're really, neutral. They're, really they're, ne- they're kind of neutral. They're, they're neutral. chaotic they're, neutral. They're chaotic neutral. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yes. Chaotic yes. neutral. Uh, because, you know, they have a tremendous power, but they're not really on a side. They're just after the power. They're not, you know. Well, they, they need the power to live. I mean, they need the again, time energy like to survive. Again, any other nematode and snail yeah. in the world, it's, they're not, you know, they're not an advanced species. They, the fact that they happen to look exactly like Earth people with earth earth statues yeah earth statues with wings ah that's just convenient you know but then then again we can get into the whole bipod bipeds on every planet <laughs> well that yeah. star trek suffered from that for a, for a long time too though yeah yeah and i then, mean but, captain kirk pretty much had sex with any alien he found yet somehow none of them ever said hey get that out of my ear they all had orifices in the same places yeah, yeah, it was all they were all like just different colors yeah. Blue, green, whatever. Um, yeah, then they got into like, oh, well, that one has ridges on her forehead. She must be another alien, you know. Yeah. So, or you could argue, well, we all evolved from the same planet. Okay, the, anything which, can be Which uh, obviously is Earth, Magically. the center of the universe that everything revolves around. That's what mm-hmm. you said you were going to go back to postulating that theory, weren't you? <laughs> uh, yeah. That Nicole's theory was go- of the world was going to be that everything revolved around Earth again. Yeah, last podcast, <laughs> wasn't that it? Because I... Yeah, and it, make, it makes sense. Wrong. Yeah. It makes sense, because um, as long as science fiction originates on this planet, it's going to be based in our reality, which is why when people say, what do you think the real aliens are going to be like? I say, we can't, literally can't conceive of how they are, because they're going to be so alien that we're not even going to register to them. You know, like, they're going to be like, like dark matter is probably the aliens. We can't even measure it. We can't understand it. And they, mm-hmm. they probably look at us and go, what is that? green matter or whatever i always wonder why everyone thinks it would end poorly for us if you're a civilization that has the technology to travel this far in space and you know come all the way out here i'm pretty sure you're pretty stable and not needing to conquer planets for like you know valuable minerals anymore at that point yeah at that point you can just get them out of i mean space and, and i had this argument with a buddy of mine i go i go why do you think our weapons wouldn't work on them well they'd have some kind of shielding I'm like you're very. You may very well be true, and very well be right. But if they never had a face weapons like ours, they may have some shielding that can stop an energy weapon of some sort. That doesn't mean a bullet's not going to go through it. See, again, <laughs> I, I think. That I mean, even at it's that like level, how do you know? I you, see, yeah. I mean, just because they can travel, you know what? They could be cavemen that figured out how to make a warp drive. Okay. <laughs> That's unlikely. Well, I'm just saying, <laughs> but, but they could be completely, you know. They might have put all their science and technology into making starships, not into making weaponry. You know, I mean, oh, imagine obviously... that planet. That'd be a nice place to live, wouldn't it? Hmm. Let's all dream about that for a minute. Yeah, there'd be no news. <sighs> Anyways. <laughs> oh, there would. It would be all about discoveries and like that. Well, they'd have to not be human beings because no matter what, throughout time, and th- throughout time and space, human beings will find a way to kill each other. Yeah, we suck. <laughs> Remember 2001? Yeah, we completely suck. Oh, that was more. That was that was a robot doing the. <laughs> well, different. we we made it. Uh, let's get into uh, into what into what, your show. Let's get into you know. Okay. Now, you wrote, "Don't blink," the Doctor Hooper West. It's uh, in Gorilla Tango Theater here in Chicago. Yes. And it's an it's an excellent show. And it plays every Friday night at nine o'clock. 
at Gorilla Tango Theater, which is at 1919 North Milwaukee. And uh, we are currently on an open run. Um, well, I've nice. seen the I've seen the cast schedule. It goes at least through October, and there and I really wanted to go. God help me! It needs to go through Chicago Tardis. <laughs> it has to go through that, that weekend. Be, I mean, great. imagine I'm trying that'd to do great. a push. I want to get everybody to come. That would be wicked. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, as far as I know, we have no end in sight. That's all, that's awesome. Yay! Thank you, thank you, and and I owe at least some of that to you guys for you were right on the band. You, you were the not even bandwagon. You were right at the forefront of uh, helping me promote the show. So that was <laughs> tremendous. We were just impressed to find out that we actually have a real listener. <laughs> the stance, the stance don't lie. Apparently, <laughs> so that was good. Yeah, there's someone out there. But no, uh, we well, Joanna didn't get to go. Oh, uh, well, yeah. I had to be up at the ass cracker early because I worked the at ass Starbucks. crack of early. That's early. <laughs> wow. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, it'll still be running. The only reason why I knew about the show is because one of my friends is on the cast. Oh, wait a minute! I have the cast list in front of me. Is yes, <laughs> you're talking about uh, Diva La Vida. Uh, yes. Diva is no longer in the show. Aww. I know. Now, was she who played? Uh... Diva played. Uh, well, see, all the all the uh, women play multiple roles because. Right. No, I remember. Yeah. Which well, doctor I'm was telling she? the listeners who may not know. You oh, know. Sorry. <laughs> you know, there's other people listening to this. Then. That's true. There is. Uh, I hope. I hope. Hi there. Um, yeah, the, all the most of the women, except for the woman who plays uh, Eleven, and I'm giving away a lot here by telling you that there are specific doctors in it, but they're pretty ladies. Uh, That's true, but they are. yeah, uh, Diva played um, the ninth Doctor. Okay. She has a turn as a cyber woman. Yep. She has a bit as a uh, non-speaking fish alien. Uh, you know, because we only get eight women in any show. In fact, they have another show. Um, one of their they have two Star Trek shows. Uh, I'm sorry, two Star Wars shows. Right. And in one of them, they have a cardboard cutout of a a stormtrooper that they refer to as Girl Nine. Because they needed one more girl, but we can only have eight women in a cast. So, <laughs> so yeah, there's a lot of um, – and I love because sometimes you'll have a character who will come on and, you know, there'll be a minor character at the beginning and they will remove their clothing. And then later they come on as a more important character and they remove their clothing again. And it's still them, but people are still clapping and screaming for them to remove their clothing as though they hadn't seen what was in there already. And I'm always very <laughs> impressed by that. To me, that says a lot about their performing style there. Their, um, you know, their their attractiveness as a character, you know, beyond their attractiveness as a person, because people, you know, like, oh well, we've seen that Dalek remove her clothes, but now she's, <laughs> I'm not going to give it away, but now she's somebody else who is possibly making fun of a pop star from Australia, <clears throat> you know. If there were that kind of a thing. Don't give me that look. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah, but you're the wrong country. She's from Australia. Isn't she? Am I on another planet? You're talking about... The real life character you're talking about is... Well, I'm talking about about Billy Tyler. Billy Piper. uh, Billy Piper, isn't isn't she? No, she's UK. I thought she was from Australia. No, she's English. (laughs) Well, didn't she hit the the pop charts in Australia? She, She hit them in England with like four number ones, too. Where did I get the information that she was from? I mean, the thing is, I don't randomly hold information like that. Where did I get that? <laughs> I've listened to her albums. A That's times. messed up. Unless you're thinking of. Uh, well, Kylie. yeah. What's Kylie Minogue, Minogue was on the show for uh, in the one Christmas special? Ugh. Yeah, pop yeah. star from Australia. She's from Australia. Yeah, but that's not what I was thinking of. Huh. Although maybe at some point the Kylie Minogue information got 
crossed on my wires. Okay, so anyway. That's why, that's why I looked at you. I'm like, wait, what? You're right. Okay, you're right. Well, I, then I was I trying am, to figure out. I'm like. I don't know as much as I think I do. There... You're right. None of us You've do, believe me. it or not. You've caught me. I know nothing. But she, but she played a great number nine. Yeah, she was. I was actually very concerned because Diva does not look anything like <laughs> Chris Eccleston. No, that's um, true. I mean, some of our actresses, we, we were able to get people who look, you know, our, our, our 10 in particular. Yes. Um, she's uh, mm-hmm. Crystal Paradise. Yeah. She, she's, uh, you know, she's actually a dancer and she really learned. She really watched David Tennant. And she has all the moves and everybody really watched their whoever their character is mm-hmm. and really got the, the, the intonation and the physical characteristics. Um, and, but with Diva, you know, but some of them, you know, like, uh, they have some, some, they do something with their hair or something that makes them kind of resemble the doctor that they're supposed to be. But with Diva, I was like, she's got long black hair. I, nobody's going to believe she's Chris Eccleston, but she totally pulled it off she with her the, attitude. She did the personality. She right. walks out of the TARDIS and half the time she would just get a standing, uh, not standing, but she'd get a round of applause just walking out. Everyone immediately knew, oh, that's nine. You know, at yep. that point, you're yep. at that point in the show, we, we start with 11, then you see 10, and then we all know that nine comes next. So when she makes her appearance, it's huge. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, awesome. So I guess yeah. my first question for you is. Oh, I haven't, I, I haven't even gotten to the questions yet. I'm <laughs> sorry. Yes. Well, no, it's all going to be about, you know, uh, uh, well, when, when did you become a Doctor Who fan? Because you obviously are a fan from watching what you wrote and the fact that you had the WTTW references and stuff. Actually, you actually, you definitely are a Chicago fan of it. Well, that's the funny thing. I'm not. I'm from New England. I used to watch WGBH in Boston. Which probably did the same thing. Which did exactly the same thing. <laughs> Doctor Who was always big for pledge drives. Um, but and, I mean, you, were def- you are definitely a fan of the show. Right. Well, yeah. and I, ha- I remember talking to people around here who remembered the same thing. And everyone who has come to the show and recognized said, oh, my God, my station did that, too. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's universal. Uh, it, it's a universal part of the American experience of Doctor Who. Right. It's not, you know, I'm sure somebody from the UK would go, What's, why are they raising <laughs> money? There's also the fact that um, the way that Gorilla Tango burlesque shows are done is they invent a way to ask for tips because, yeah. you know, pretty dancers get mm-hmm. money. So that was our, you know, that was my conceit for tips is that, oh, it's a fundraiser, it's a pledge drive. But it was so. a great way to do it. It, it worked, yes. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I, that's how I remember seeing it because I remember watching it uh, gosh, it had to be nineteen seventy nine, eighty around there. I was I was flipping around one day before dinner. It was like six o'clock, and came across a thing with a robot. I'm like, oh, robot science fiction. I'm Linda, and mm-hmm. it turned out to be episode one of Robot. And so I got to actually start from you know from a beginning, if not the mm-hmm. beginning, right? Sure. And um, my friend Heather would watch, and we would. And this is back in the day when you had to watch it at the same time because you know there were no DVRs. Yeah. There were no DVRs. <laughs> there were barely any VHS cassette, play, you know, recordings. Yeah, this, yeah. this is back in yeah, nineteen years. I'm old. Um, <laughs> but we would actually we would call each other after every episode and like review every adorable glance that Tom Baker had made, or oh my god, did you see when Sarah did that thing that was so cute? And we would just. I guess other girls were talking about boys. We talked about Doctor Who. And we did that for a long time. And then we started, again, the, the word cosplay didn't exist at the time. No, it didn't. But we liked to dress up. I would dress up as the Doctor, and she would dress up as Sarah Jane. And, you know, that was kind of a part of our friendship was that I would, you know, she was Sarah Jane and I was the Doctor. And <laughs> we would go to thrift stores and look at clothes and find things that would be appropriate for either, you know, for any... Oh, this is something that she would wear. This is, we wouldn't buy anything because we were kids, but 
we were apparently costume shopping and we didn't know it, but that's what we, you know, we got into. And I, I also, I invented fan fiction. I know what? if you know that. I, I didn't, obviously, I didn't know it existed, but what happened was, <laughs> I, was, I, was I was into writing and I actually was a writing major in college. And I remember writing a story and, like, and I said, you know, Heather, I could write a Doctor Who story with us in it. And that was like the most groundbreaking concept. I got about six pages in. <laughs> And then I realized I can't write science fiction. I don't know any of this stuff. So that didn't work out well. But 30 years of fandom later. You did work. I was able to, you know. It, and again, this, what I did, I, I like to think it wasn't really fan fiction, although it is a fan love letter because I do love the show. But yeah, I tried to work in as much as, much as I possibly could. Uh, and there, there is a lot in yeah, there. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of, we'll say, in-jokes. But, you know, if you're a Doctor Who fan, they're not even in-jokes. But um yeah, I was concerned that people who weren't fans might kind of not get it because mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff that if you don't know, you don't know. But I've, I've people have said I didn't know what was going on, but boy, that was fun to watch. Also, there were boobs, so <laughs> well, that probably helps a lot. That helps a lot. That, yeah, that, that's a big help. How did you decide? I mean, when did it come to you to write a parody of it? Well, Gorilla Tango Theater has been doing these science fiction nerd-themed uh, burlesque shows for a right. few years. Um, my, my dear friend, Ms. Pixie, used to be uh, their, uh, their producer for, for the burlesque shows. So they were a theater, they had their own shows, but she was the producer for the burlesque shows. And she was the one who would, would find the scripts, find people to write them and put them together and just basically oversee them. Um, and about a year ago... She, uh, yes, yeah, like in September, October last year, somebody had submitted a script because they knew they wanted to do Do-Doc- Doctor Who. Because how can you not if you're doing science fiction? You know, and, they'd done Star Wars, so Star Trek, you know, the Mar- Super Mario Brothers. They'd done a, you know, Batman. Lord of the Rings. So, yeah, they Batman. They've done all of that stuff, superheroes in general. So it was time, and somebody else wrote one, and apparently it wasn't up to Emily's standards, and she turned to me and said. You like Doctor Who, right? I'm like, yeah. Well, we need a script in like six weeks. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> um, okay. And, uh, you know, we got together. I wrote a draft. She read it. We changed it. We put some things. She, a lot of her comments were things like, okay, that doesn't make sense why she's taking her clothes off now. Why would that happen? So she really drove me to make it logical. So, you know, when you have... Uh, I guess I won't spoil it by saying there's Daleks, because how could there not be? <laughs> but when you have Daleks taking their clothes off, as it were, mm-hmm. you can't just have Daleks suddenly start taking clothes off. It doesn't make any sense. So I had to write it logically into the story. Right. Um, so that was that was the challenge. Um, you know, have not just have all these, you know, add a lot of sexiness to Doctor Who, but to do it logically. Um, so... And that that is really the hallmark of Gorilla Tango Burlesque is that they do stories. Right. It, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of most burlesque shows, ninety nine percent of the ones out there, are you know here's a number, here's a number, here's a number. Oh, here's the two people doing a number. Here's a magic show. Here's a number. Here's a number. Um, Gorilla Tango is um, is stories. I mean, the way that um, Ms. Pixie would describe it would be they're musicals. Only instead of singing, they take their clothes off. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's the, and so that was you know like a year ago, October, November, and they started. They went into rehearsal. They opened February first, and 
I could not believe what what they do. I, I wanted the, the, I keep calling them girls but you know my girls uh, I couldn't believe what the girls did with the script I couldn't believe how much they just fleshed it out as it were <laughs> and I mean there were some places where they added some bits because they needed more time for whatever you know somebody needs time to change backstage sure, sure. They had, and everything they added I think was brilliant I was so happy in fact the, one of the biggest laughs in the show is not mine not my joke that's where uh Ten and eleven are. What was that doodly now? Oh, that? that's my friends. Cause I'm out and about with friends. Okay, well, yeah. tell your friends to stop doodly doing. We're doing a show here, man. They <laughs> Trying to be professional. Oh my god. You uh, obviously have not listened to all of our episodes. I guess not. I'm sorry. I, what is it? Sixteen? I got like half of them. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's we were doing it every week while the show was on, and then the show went off the air, and there's or not off the air, but the show, yeah, there's yeah. nothing to you know. Nothing you you wait for about. news. Although I could have spent three episodes talking about how much I hated introducing John Hurt as the Doctor. I'm like, oh, sorry, I hated, <laughs> hated, hated yeah, how they, they did they that. They didn't really need to put the text there for that. That well, they co- they could have put the text there. They could have faded to black and then put the text. I would have been totally fine with that. But no, it was like the episode was still happening, and then suddenly there's text. Like ah ah, <laughs> that was just. It's Doctor Who, not Sherlock. <laughs> well, not only is it not Sherlock, it's just allow me my fantasy. Like I said, I don't follow who's the actors and who's any. I don't even get into that. So just allow me the show before you start promoting this big name actor you got for the show. For and it's especially after, oh, no, he he's not the doctor. Whoa, the doctor. Like, oh, well, maybe he is the doctor, but he's not really the doctor. It was unnecessary. That's all. Uh, did, you write, did you write in the... The dance scenes, the, well, the, the I, last numbers, or do you let a, yeah. them? Do do you just well, kind of say I'm not a insert it here, and then they do it? I'm not a choreographer. Um, I came up with the idea for some of the dances, but okay. I didn't actually choreograph them. Like for example, uh, the um, the oud dance because mm-hmm. we have to have an oud. All I thought was, well, I need it to have this kind of mood, and in my, you know, I, I need it to feel this kind of way, and it has to have this move. You know, I'm holding my hands up in the air with my brain in one hand, and it had to have, you know, <laughs> that kind of, and and of course it has to, you know, be to the their oud music, which is so freaking beautiful. Um, so that was like what I gave them, and then they just made an actual dance from that, and uh, the same thing with the. Um, with the cyber women. I'm like, okay, they're robots and they have to take their metal off because they've got glitter in them. <laughs> uh, you know, so that, well, that again, everybody needs a reason to take their clothing off. Of course. And in that case, I, I went back to, you know, Tom Baker with, he fought the, the Cybermen with, with gold. With gold. Yeah. gold dust. With yeah. A lot of people didn't remember that. I was actually a little miffed when, when uh, Neil Gaiman brought back gold in his Cyberman episode because everyone else had forgotten about the gold and I brought it back. I mentioned the gold. And now I'm not so cool because it looks like I just got it from that. But, but you I, were the first one to do it, though. So he got I'm it go from with you. That. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he absolutely got it from me. I'm just, well, he doesn't, he doesn't even live like in Wisconsin. He could have wandered in one day. Sure, why not? Yeah, he could have. Uh, no, I'm not saying he took it from me, obviously. Minnesota. But Minnesota. Minnesota Wisconsin, Minnesota. It's all, you know, whatever. It's Great. all cold. North and cold. <laughs> North and cold and beer, pretty much. And sausage and cheese. Yeah. I apologize now to all of our Minnesota listeners. I know you're not exactly the same as Wisconsin, but you know. Hey, Prince was from from Minnesota, so you know. <laughs> but um, well, you could have used Windex. <laughs> didn't, wasn't it like window cleaner in the, in the yeah. second doctor that defeated them? Yeah, that's it's. <laughs> I well, the thing about they really, you you actually made them far more powerful than the actual Cybermen are. <laughs> 
Well, they, they, well, Neil Gaiman made them like. Well, he made the, he gave them Weeping Angel speed, which made no sense at all. Only for they, only one time. Uh, that makes it worse. Now <laughs> it's inconsistent. What I said. I'm like, it's like either they have it or they don't. And they, clearly, mm-hmm. he gave it to them for that one moment to make it, you know, theatrical. And that's just not. Oh, I can't believe I'm dissing Neil, Neil Gaiman. I love I, Neil Gaiman. I feel the pieces, exact same way but, you, did, you do because mm-hmm. I had a lot of hope for that episode. And oh, well, man. it started out great. There was it started a lot, out there was yeah, a lot so, of good you know. in it. It's just everything was good in it except the Cybermen. Well, and the army that was trying to fight the Cybermen. Well, you know, even that was kind of fun. You well, know, it's, like the, like what's his name? The, the um, Porridge. Porridge. That kept trying to get the actor's name. I mean, he's always good in everything you see him in, and he was good. And you know, there were some good characters here and there. But yeah, it was like it started it was like, out it was great. Like, it was like Caddyshack trying to defeat the the Cyberman. <laughs> yeah, kinda. Yeah, that no, it's they and, they and the two kids they had in the show. I could have did without. They were just the most obnoxious little. Yeah. Luckily, they were quiet most of the episode because they were being taken over. Well. That's the best way to keep a child quiet is to convert him to a Cyberman, really. You can tell Gaiman didn't want them there, and he was probably just told, oh, we have to put these two kids in. Right, because she's she's a nanny. How did did you get blackmailed by that? What parent these days would be like, oh, really? She's a time traveler? Okay. Who would would believe their kid saying that? And then you show pictures, like like you wouldn't just go, that's Photoshop. Perhaps (laughs) uh, they didn't watch Doctor Who. Are Are their parents from Victorian England? Well, that's, again, this is one of the conundrums of science fiction is that, you know, you watch, you figure that, you know, Doctor Who's Britain is all of Britain and all of history except Doctor Who, which is a huge part of British culture. So, you know, to ignore that part, I mean, they're never like, oh, yes, we saw on that science fiction show, you know. Well, wait, what what episode, uh, Remembrance of the Daleks, remember the TV turns on? Yeah. And it, it goes, and now the first episode of an exciting new science fiction series from BBC, and you hear the music, and then they switch scenes. Uh, I didn't because that episode didn't takes place that. in 1963. Um, thank you, 1963. That's well, that was an homage to themselves. I believe, that, I believe that's the. Uh, I believe that's in that episode. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That's genius. That's one of my favorite. Dalek. I completely we, missed I, that. I adore that episode. I think that episode. Well, is been, so good. they've been putting in a lot of self-referential stuff lately, like you know when the. She's reading the books. What chapter are you on? Ten. Well, eleven's the best. Ah, mm. ha, ha, ha. They have a lot of stuff like that, and some of that just makes my. You, some of it feels forced. It feels forced, and it just twists my head. Yeah. I'm like that. I, I've said I was not a fan of the constant references to eleven mm-hmm. everywhere. Eleven. Ele- I'm like, okay, we know he's the eleventh Doctor. Could we? And that yeah. episode too. She I, I, move on. I hated that part where he was going. And she's like, Doctor Who? He's like, say it again. If, you know, that's, I'm like, they have said, gotten people to say Doctor Who so many times that when they got to the episode about the ultimate question, <laughs> and they just, he's just saying it over and over, I'm like, oh my God, make it stop. We get it. You're cute. You found a way to use the name of the show without calling him Doctor Who. We get it. And yeah, but, it in the old, but in the old show, in the first, like, the first three Doctors were all credited as Doctor Who. Yes, that's fine. But so, nobody called him Doctor Who. Only in the Dalit to the two Peter Cushing movies did they yeah. call him Doctor Who. And he wasn't a Time Lord. He was just a dude that they called Doctor Who. In the War Games. I believe in the War Games he was called Doctor Who. On purpose? Not War Games. Uh, War Machines. I think it was in the War Machines they called him Doctor Who. Yeah. It can't have been on purpose. Wotan, the computer, said something, I think, about Doctor Who. Yeah. Uh, 
They I, actually I did give him Doctor Who. I, I remember oh. it in that episode. I remember because we had just had this discussion, and I, I was watching an episode. And I think I texted you like right away, and I'm like, and, yeah. and for the view for the listeners, I pointed to Nicole. Yes. <laughs> but I remember watching it, going, "Wait a minute! They just called him Doctor Who right there." Yeah, Ugh. you're right. They did. That, that one was that the one. Was, the computer like has that. Yeah. yeah. And they said that's weak. Doctor Who. That's very weak. But you know, I, oh, I mean, the thing was when the, when the Daleks all did it because he was raised from the, their memories. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was fine. That I was get cute. it. Yeah, yes, that I, was I, cute. But then it okay just like you said, that. by the end of it, you're like, oh god. Yeah, enough, well, I'm enough. I was I'm usually okay with it if it just comes up and somebody says he's I'm the Doctor. Somebody says Doctor Who. I'm like, okay, fine. Yeah, I can get, deal with that reference. One. You get but one. when he was doing that thing with Clara, him doing say it again. Say it again. Oh, I like this, and I'm like. Him yeah. doing it himself is a problem. Yeah, yeah. and it, it, yeah, it got old. It got old, and it just got silly. And also, he never acknowledges that people like that his name could be Doctor Who. Most of the time, it just someone says Doctor Who, and yeah. it's like a little joke for the fans. Yeah, well, I mean, well, so well, they his, go his like, name's oh. John Smith." But in but yeah. in that one, it was like he was in on the joke, which breaks the. But remember, in the third Doctor, they were in. On, they were all in on the joke in a sense too, because the the license plate on Bessie was "Who Won." <laughs> Yes. Oh my God! I never, you know, it never <laughs> yeah. even occurred to me to think that was odd. Maybe it's because at the time when I watched those episodes initially, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I, I wasn't as big of a fan. Obviously, my first few years, it never occurred to me that they would, didn't call him Doctor Who, but it still bothers me when people call him that. It's yeah. Like, oh, is that is that Doctor Who? Is that dude? I can't even <laughs> frame the question properly, but. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah! Oh yeah! He he plays Doctor Who. No, he doesn't. He plays the Doctor. You, you like how we get derailed so often? <laughs> Is there a rail? I was not aware of a rail. I thought we were just on open track, like the Salt Flats. You would think so. Yeah. So okay, so that's how you got the, how you became the writer. So that's how I became the writer. <laughs> Going back to that, yeah. So good segue. Basically, yeah, you're very good. If you've, if you've listened before, woo, woo. you know there's no. I'm not good at segues at all. Back on track. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so my, my dear friend uh, invited me to write it. I wrote it. We tweaked it. We made it work. And then the theater let her go. <gasps> so I was no longer working with my close personal friend. Um, now, luckily, before they, they, before they parted ways, uh, invited her to not be there anymore, uh, she had brought in a, a director and a choreographer who were both huge, huge fans. I mean, I. The first night I talked to the director, we must have t- spent three hours talking about the show. And I'm like, I can't believe it. I found someone who's a bigger fan than I am uh, who is in theater and can do something with it. So she um, she just, she really made it live. Uh, the, the director, uh, Katie Siegel, is amazing. And the choreographer, again, you know, I would describe, okay, I want a living vortex and a girl dressed as a TARDIS make that happen, you know, <laughs> just just for the opening. You know, we have one scene with the yep. TARDIS dress girl. Um, but, you know, and I, I I gave kind of vague directions like that and they made absolute magic with it. So, yeah, yeah it's like, OK, in this scene, she's very flirty with the doctor and now she's dancing. All right. That's yeah. And they just made everything happen. So. And a lot of it also happens in the rehearsal process. You know, there's mm-hmm. things where they realize, oh, we can do this because she happens to be over here. And that's why I ended up having mm-hmm. to build hooks onto the TARDIS. <laughs> now, there were scenes where, I'm not going to say what scenes there were, but there were scenes where the the actresses were, like, in the audience, like, sitting up yes. near us. Well, that's because we have a small space. Right. It's a well, small but, theater. But no, <laughs> but they were sitting up near us, and 
they were still in character talking. Did I didn't you write, write any. It, or no, was I, it them. They that was all them. That okay, was, and again, this that is was, because that was good. Well, you don't audition. They were really into. You know? Well, yeah, they yeah. were right. They were right next to me where I was sitting, and I was kind of like going, "Like, should I be paying attention to them? <laughs> yeah, or should I be watching the stage because they're right next to me and they're still talking? Like, <laughs> they they yeah. are. Well, again, this is Chicago. We have a long improv tradition, and um, and they had to be in view because you know that's a point at which they've said something that indicates they need to stay in view i don't want to give it away right but mm-hmm. um that was entirely them i had nothing to do with that i wrote none of that but that was the director who said okay you're still in character you need to be out here but you're still in character and they developed their own little chatter and it was just yeah. fantastic to watch and now mm-hmm. how many now when I talked to you originally, you had said some of the girls had actually seen the show before. Oh, well... And some yeah, didn't. That's what I was going to... Oh, no, I think they've all... They had all seen it. Because okay. when you audition for a show based on Doctor Who, it helps to, you know... Kind of know the source <laughs> material. Kind of know the source material. So some of them... Like, at, they, they, all, they were all at least familiar with it. Okay. Um, a few of them are rabid fans. Um... You know, we're talking tattoos. <laughs> you wow. know, Yeah, really serious rabid fans. Are we talking Chicago fans. TARDIS fans? Uh... No, I mean, I mean Doctor Who fans. No, I mean, I mean but, uh, do they go to like? I don't know about that. So they're um, not quite that. But to be to honest, get a t- to, to be honest, though, to get a tattoo of the show on you is probably more rabid than somebody like us that goes to the mm-hmm. convention. I have seen. Well, that's the neat thing is we have attracted a lot of those fans. I have seen guys with uh, the seal of Rassilon. I have seen guys with Daleks. Uh, I've seen guy with uh, Bad Wolf in his thigh, or was that was a girl? Sorry. Uh, yeah, we've we we had somebody who drove in from uh, Ohio. They drove six hours to see the show. Wow! Yeah, and it was a it was a gift from his wife. I'm like, oh, that's the best thing ever. Here, honey, go see boobs in Chicago. <laughs> I, I thought that was sweet. Um, so yeah, in, in addition to obviously the the cast being fans, we get great fans of the audience. I mean, there's always. Uh, there's always somebody. Well, when it was winter, there's always somebody in a scarf. There's always a couple of bow ties, maybe a fez, and always we've had the guys in 3D glasses. You know, it's, just, it's wonderful. I love seeing the involvement because this goes to Doctor Who being more of a way of life than a show. And I'm not going to get too far into the idea of it being philosophy, but um, there's a lot of stuff where people talk about how oh, I want to go away in a blue box and I want the Doctor to rescue me. I think all the real fans in my opinion, want to be the doctor or at least want to model their own behavior on the doctor, this chaotic good. Um, so that, for me, I mean, I, I love dressing up as Tom Baker. It's the coolest thing ever, you know? <laughs> and I love seeing when fans get so into it that they are in the costumes and they're part of it. You know, it just, it feels, it just feels really... It, it just speaks to a level of dedication that I really appreciate. Agreed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And That's I awesome. I have a question. Yeah. Um, if you had, like, people who cosplay, they come to see your show, how hard would it be for them, like, would they get a discount of sorts, or would they get a high five? I, w- again, that is not up to me. I do have a discount. In fact, I can't believe I haven't mentioned it yet. I do have a discount code that yes, I can give yes, you that you can use for... Uh, as many tickets as you want for any Gorilla Tango Burlesque show. Everybody get your pens. Okay? As if you're listening. Like, or, or hit pause. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I forgot we're not live, it'll be are in, we? It'll be in the show notes, too. Yeah, okay. Um, live. We don't have that technology. I know. Wouldn't that be neat? <laughs> that would be fun. Streaming radio. Does that even exist? 
Anyway, <laughs> uh, if you go to the Gorilla Tango website, which is uh, com slash who, H-O-W. Do I even have to spell it? Hopefully not. In H-O-O. Why isn't it working? <laughs> W-H-O. And uh, if you enter the discount code BUSTY13, that's B-U-S-T-Y, one three, no spaces, uh, not case sensitive, you will get $10 off each ticket. Again, as many tickets as you want for any Gorilla Tango Burlesque show. The street price for these tickets is 35 bucks. I personally think that's insane. But that wasn't up to But me. $10 off is huge. $10 huge, off huge. is it's huge. A, it's a third off. It's, it's roughly a third off. And, I, and that, I think, brings it almost to the level of affordability. Um, so <laughs> actually, I was like, I'm not gonna lie. I, it, for thir- it, it was a lot of show for 25 bucks. I 35 bucks, I probably wouldn't have been disappointed either. That is well. That's one of the things that that was very important to me in the in the rehearsal process. Um, you know, seeing that they were doing their best to make you know costume wise and and just everything to make it be worth the money because that was actually ours was the first show when we uh, um, ours ours was the first new show to debut at this new $35 price because up until mm-hmm. January of last year it was $20 which was also kind of a lot but that was the theater they decided well we want to you know be in the big leagues we're going to charge 35 bucks but then that wasn't working out very well so they gave everybody discount codes uh, and said please share use everybody so uh, tell everyone you know to use that discount code because um, uh, because I <laughs> Again, if I could comp half the house every night, I would, because I just think it's so much fun for Who fans to see, and I love nothing more than watching them kind of get ahead of the jokes mm-hmm. when something <laughs> is coming and they see it coming, and I can hear people whispering, oh, my God, that's, oh, he's got to say, oh, that. I love that. I love watching that. I love, and that's why I've seen so many performances of this show. It's kind of sad how many... How many but, Fridays but I've your, spent there? But it's there. your baby. I mean, you wrote it. It is my baby, but so I should. I, I wouldn't consider it sad. I should let my baby mm-hmm. grow up and be on its own, which means it's time oh. to write another show, but probably not a burlesque show. So, but um, we all said that's what I was thinking. From what you say, that would support what we said when we walked out of it. I think we were all like, you could tell that was this was written by someone who really loved the show. Like it wasn't someone who went, okay. Doctor Who is really popular. Let's just write something that uses this stuff, put it out there, and people will come. It was right. like it yeah. had and, all the well, little. This is, this is something that they are consistent with with most with their shows. Like the, mm. um, it That's was actually I've I've, I, yours is the first one I've seen there. But what I've heard is what you were just mm-hmm. saying yeah. is that they really know the material. Well, it was I mean, uh, Pixie's uh, husband and actually fiance at the time, but husband now uh, wrote the two Star Wars. Um, yeah, the two Star Wars shows, and he is. A huge fan. He goes to uh, Wizard World dressed uh, head to toe as um, uh, uh, Star Wars, the red stormtrooper. No, no, the black and black and red face guy with the Darth Maul. Thank you, Darth Maul with I, the I, horns I, and the I'm eyes. I'm a rarity that I'm a fan of almost all sci-fi. Whether <laughs> well, it's Star well, no, Trek, I should have known Wars, that whatever. one. That's my brain just went on a holiday there for a second. But so I'm going to go yeah. up to every Darth Maul at Wizard World in two weeks and go. Are you Pixie's husband? Are you Pixie's husband? <laughs> well, you'll know because he, he'll probably be with. Pixie. Although, you know what? They're, they're expecting a baby, so that may not happen this time around. I don't know. Um, but anyway, so yeah, that. but he's a huge fan. And he also wrote their, uh, they did a, a Walking Dead parody. And he's a huge fan of that. And, uh, you know, Emily is hugely into fantasy and, you know, she has, um, 
you know, dragons all over her house and all that. And she wrote the, you know, the one that was kind of a parody of Lord of the Rings and War, you know, World of Warcraft, all that stuff kind of wrapped into one. Uh, and the original show, which was the Mario Brothers. You know, she's a big video game person. So um, mm-hmm. all of the shows are really crafted with love by fans um, because Lord knows we don't get paid enough to justify <laughs> doing, you know, going out and doing the research. No, you know, we really, really love the material. Um, and I, yeah, I just every week I get a real kick out of watching the girls become my characters and become, you know, this version of Doctor Who that I mean, it's kind of an episode I'd love to see. Uh, I think the best we said that too. I think when we left, <laughs> yeah. That, well, the best compliment I ever got, and I think it was from you guys. It was like it was it it was on the level of the five doctors. Like it would have made an actual episode. It would have made it, like, if, if yeah. the fiftieth anniversary is half as good as your show. Oh, shut I, up. I would enjoy it. Shut up. Because because you're okay. Your show obviously, you know, I'm not going to give much away. I, I think we talked about some of the scenes before, but we didn't really give away the whole you know mm-hmm. thing. But. I left it going, okay, I know it was not a Doctor Who episode, but if it was like a one-off episode, mm. I would have been happy with it. Wow. Um, um, I'm honored. Well, one of the... It's better, uh, than most of the it's better than most of the comic release stuff they do. <laughs> well, those are... those are boobs. Limited research. And there's boobs. <laughs> and there's all women. Yes, we should clarify, there's only women in the cast, uh, which to me is... I mean, they... Some of their shows is just, well, everybody's a woman, and that's just the way the story's doing. I had to explain why the Doctor's a woman now, because yeah. that is kind of... And you of, came up with a very clever explanation. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Um, that allowed for lots of puns and rhymes and fun things like that. Because, see, a lot of people would have just said... A lot of other people that would have wrote that would have said, oh, it's just timey-wimey. It, well, like, it just I did happened. use the phrase timey-wimey <laughs> several times. Yeah, but so. you actually had an explanation as to why they became women. Well, that part, that's part of the mystery of the show. Because in my opinion, good science fiction has to have a little mystery in it. All, all great Asimov books had a great mystery at the heart of them, and in addition to brilliant science. Um, and killer robots. I'm sorry? And killer robots. Well, oh, wait, no, that wasn't Asimov. That was... Um, that was everybody before Asimov. Yeah, he's Asimov the one that has was the three the, rules of the, the Asimov three delivered us from the evil robots because he came up with the three, three laws, the three eventually laws. four laws, if you read the prequels. Uh because he was tired of, you know, build robots, robot kill, end of story. You know, he said that if we're building that kind of technology, we probably would put some safeguards in there. What should they be? And he came up with them. And then we were suddenly able to have robots that, you know, were reasonable. And that's just a huge thing in science fiction. They actually touched on that in the episode Robot. He's not supposed to kill humans. Exactly. Yeah. They gave, they he gave, knows it. And he's conflicted directed. by what he's told to do and not to do. That, well, that's also so they say they get around they get around it by saying they're an enemy of humanity. Yeah, is what they tell. Them. I don't even remember where that robot came from. Was it a space robot or no? Was it, was, he, no. it was a human, a it was human made built here. robot. Yeah, it was made here. So it was made here. How could it possibly have hated humanity? It didn't. But what the bad guys in the episode did, what they told him so he would kill other human beings was that they are an enemy of the human race. Even though they're humans, they want to do something bad to the human race. So I love it. Isaac Asimov. He made that happen. Yeah. No, his, his, his influence in science fiction is huge. Until, yeah. until the robot stories, Isaac Asimov's robot stories, until iRobot, robots were... They didn't have to... You didn't have to explain why they would kill people. It was... I mean... It, I love it. And that's again that that is again why I'm a big fan of Doctor Who and science fiction. Mm-hmm. I see them as kind of separate things, but that you know that's one of the instances where they really do use science fiction in Doctor Who. So I like because that. they're able to spend 
believe for Doctor Who. Right. And then... Did I lose you? Just enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, there's yeah, there's a lot of episodes like um, Robots of Death. It's another great robot. We almost episode. watched that today. Uh, that that contains one of my favorite lines in all history. Please do not throw hands at me. Uh, just I mean, those robots are you know some of them are to kill people and some of them can talk and some of them can't and the idea that they're built with very specific purposes and yet you know humaniform robots. That's crucial to the story. That's science fiction. Mm-hmm. Now, waving a wand in the air to do things that happens to be a sonic screwdriver, that's not science fiction. <laughs> so we cross the line, you it, know. It, it really border. It's real borderline. Yeah. <laughs> well, it seems like it's gotten worse. It's like more it's and more, more they get... It's yeah. just, I'm going Suddenly to... Suddenly you can do more than it should really be able to. Now it should just be called the universal screwdriver. Because well, it's not just sonic anymore. It, you know... I mean, breaking glass, unlocking. Like I said, there's certain things I, I know that harmonics can achieve, and if it's a sonic device, that's what it should be following. It's the science behind well, what even sonic. In my show, they use know. it as a sensor. They you know use it to just kind of randomly, and a, a lot well, of times as a flashlight too. <laughs> but flashlight's my favorite use of the sonic screwdriver. <laughs> it always puzzled me why the sonic screwdriver had a light on it. Why wouldn't it? Otherwise, you don't need it to make noise. Yes, but they wouldn't sell if it didn't have a light on well, it. It wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be a flashlight. <laughs> We're talking about products here. This is yes. A, you know, there's a, that was one of the reasons Star Wars was so successful. They marketed the living hell out of it with toys and games. I mean, that was the first time well, that had even, been done. To be fair, Fox was so stupid that Fox let Lucas keep all the rights. Or uh, almost yes, all the rights. They had no idea. They, they're like, eh, it's not going to make that much money. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I have a friend who got ripped off by something like that. He was on the original American version of uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. At the time, it was like, oh, well, this is just a little show. We're gonna, he's going to sign a contract and you know, be done with it. And his face is on like, cards and games, and he gets none of that. And it's horrible. It's just it's horrible. Now, he still like, goes, he sometimes goes to conventions, and he's you know, kind of still that guy. Do you know which color but, he is? He wasn't one of them. Okay. He was. He was. Um. He was the big giant head. Oh. Okay. Yeah. He was Zordon, and they. But again, at the time, they're like, "Oh, this isn't big. We're not going to cut you in for anything," and they didn't. And it's you know one of the great losses of mankind that you know, he just is completely ripped off for that. So it kind of kind of makes me not like Mighty Morphin Power Rangers much because I feel like they ripped him off. But the show is what made me not like it much. Well, there's also <laughs> that. Yes. <laughs> There's the very basic idea that it's boring, but whatever. So um, how how did you um, back to the show? Oh my gosh! Woo woo, back how did on you? Track. Uh, so you hold editions, I'm assuming. Then um, these... actually, once I finished writing it, um, no, I was in the audition process. I got to okay. kind of sit in because it was very, very, very difficult casting. Mm-hmm. Not just because we needed people who kind of you know could pull off these doctor looks, but uh, okay, we need somebody who can roller skate. And we need somebody who can also, you know, do a lyrical dance, and everyone has to be able to pull off decent British accents. So there's a lot of kind of demanding stuff. And look like a guy. And look like a guy kind for some of. of it. A little bit, yeah. Well, that's what I mean, you know, kind yeah. of pull off the look of yeah, the doctor of with, and still be a girl. Um, so I was in there for the original casting, and um, I don't even think I was at the callbacks, but after that, it just kind of chugged on along without me, and I didn't see it until about two weeks before opening night. Uh, maybe two or three weeks before opening night, and at that point they were still using a cardboard TARDIS, like a photo cutout, and I'm like, yeah, that, no, no. And I went and I 
and I built the freaking TARDIS. I didn't build the real kind of TARDIS. That, oh, no, like, no. Well, the, the Doctor Who musical, which I can't remember the name of because it's long and ends with timey-wimey or something, uh, they built a freaking TARDIS. I mean, ground up. They built a beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful TARDIS. Mine's the front doors and a little bit of side, and it's on wheels because it has to be able to come and go. And it's also scaled way down. Uh, The girls actually have to duck a little to go in it because we didn't want it to hit the curtain on the way out. You know, there's all kinds of structural issues. Yeah, you have limitations because of the the theater. Yeah, but I was not going to have people pay $35 and see a cardboard TARDIS. So, yeah, that was... That was a true labor of love because um, there was no budget for materials or work or anything. That was just me saying we need to build this, and I did that. Uh, at one point, I, my blood is actually in that TARDIS for reals. <laughs> I had a piece without a nail in it. I put my hand on it, didn't notice. Katie, who helped me assemble it, uh, like the last 10 hours, she's like, you're, you're, we're like half asleep. You're bleeding or something. I'm like, oh, how about that? Well, I already painted this piece. We need to use it. So nail, nail, nail. And there it is. So. <laughs> There's literally my blood in that TARDIS. <laughs> I think they. I think with the show we saw, the uh, the light got knocked off the top of it. Oh, and it broke my heart. Yeah, <laughs> that beacon is uh, well. Again, we had to. Ha- I wanted to have an actual three dimensional light up beacon. Yeah. But it's the TARDIS has no roof. It's just a flat. You know, yeah, it's yeah. got a little bit of dimension. But I have so there's like a little platform holding up the thing, and it's not. Yeah, we we did some nails and gorilla glue and. <laughs> Rubber bands and gum. I don't know what's holding it together at this point. They, they, they've made a lot of adjustments. Um, but it works. I mean. Yeah, mm-hmm. they put in a lot of braces. And uh, I keep wanting to repaint it. but The show never did. I, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, I have to let these things go. You know, it's not my, not my baby anymore. It's walking. It's on its own. It can feed itself. So, but we, we still occasionally have auditions for understudies. I think there's even auditions coming up if you want to go to GorillaTango.com and look that up. <laughs> um, Gorilla Tango is a, um, is a oh, how do they explain it? It's, it's very, a female-centric uh, experience in that um, they're not looking for, you know, models, which isn't to say that a lot of our ladies aren't model beautiful, because they are, but that's not a requirement for getting cast. The requirement for getting cast is being fun, being able to dance a little bit, and being funny, because, you know, it's, they're comedy shows at the heart of it. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, if you, if you're, hey, if you would like to reveal most of yourself on a stage and are into <laughs> Doctor Who, come audition. We always need understudies. In fact, about half the cast right now is understudies. I have, let me, if I may, could I tell I you who's in the cast you. right I was, now? Yeah. I was going to say. The, uh, the current cast um, is, uh, we have Irene Goodnight, and she plays uh, three characters, and she's, well, again, I don't want to tell you who her main character is. She, I, th- I think she was in the one we saw. Yeah, Irene mm-hmm. Goodnight, yeah. and um, and then her understudy is Evelyn Tensions. That's Evelyn Tensions. Get it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> our, uh, our Sarah Jane is played by um, Estrella Von Tapp. Not even sure what that means, but all burlesque names are fun. Uh, we have Dr. Nine, played by Amethyst, which is actually Amethyst. Get it? Amethyst. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and of course, um, Juicy Lucy, she is also one of, she's now the coordinator for the, for the burlesque shows. Um, oh, wow. And she plays, um, oh, again, do I want to give it away? Who she, she, plays? she played her great. She, she great well, show. I will say it. She plays our Rose Tyler sort of character. Uh, she did a very good job. At she it. really nailed it. Yeah, yeah my, my mm-hmm. wife even said that she was 
spot on. Yeah, she she kind of nails yeah. it. And um, t- for the fun of it, her big dance is a Billy Piper song. We thought that would be appropriate. <laughs> and I recognize that. Who is like. not from Australia, as it turns out. <laughs> Sorry. <Yeah. laughs> uh, and her understudy is Sweet Peach. And then uh, our 10 is Crystal Paradise. And her, her understudy is, I love her name, Dottie Kama. <laughs> Uh, and Dottie Kama is, uh, I mean, every, the other thing, most of these people are in other Gorilla Tango shows, yeah. but, but uh, Dottie Kama, I saw her in the Batman show, and she just made me cry with funny. She's so great. Um, and uh, we have a Donna character, not named Donna, but like that. Uh, she is Devin Diviante. Mm-hmm. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, then her understudy is Sherry Blossom. And our 11 is Vicky Van Gogo, which I love because it's also a Van Gogh reference. Yep. <laughs> and our, uh, we have a, a sort of a, uh, an Amy-type character. She's kind of a combination of Amy and Rory and yep. a few other people. <laughs> uh, the, the, she's an amalgamation of the She's an amalgamation. Of yeah, well, all the, all the uh, companions are all amalgamations. Uh, in fact, it's, I just noticed it says here Sarah Jane, but we, her name in the script is just Jane. But yeah. she's obviously Sarah Jane because right. she says at one point, maybe I'll go on my own adventures. Ah, <laughs> ah, ah. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was funny. Uh, and of course, as our, our Donna type character, we have Vespa Van Dyne. So that is the current cast and understudies. And uh, every week they amaze me. They just amaze the hell out of me. They did, they did a great job. I mean, mm-hmm. I think there's only one or two different ones. There's, yeah, there's saw. a couple of new ones on this list. And the thing is, the understudies perform at least once a month. So um, oh, that's good. Yeah, so even if the main character, the main performers are you know fine, you might see the understudies once in a while. I think I think um, I think Dottie Kama is in this week and next week. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd have to check the calendar, but yeah, it's just oh, they're all great. I love them so much, and they I mean they have slightly different yeah. you know. They bring sl- different things to the character, but they're all mm-hmm. huge fans. Well, the other character that the actress that played Jane played, mm-hmm. yeah, in the scene with her, uh, I believe she is the, the one that was the one I think where she's jumping from like chairs to chairs, and isn't that her? No, mm, we don't have that. That's one of the other burlesque shows. You're no, 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 no. What? There's thing jumping from chair to yeah. chair. Oh, 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 oh! You mean the part where they go up into the audience? Yes, yes, yes. Um, that's Jane and four. Uh, go into the audience, and they, um, and that's actually our second Jane. Oh, okay. and the fir- but the first Jane kind of established the pattern of you know, chattering in the audience, and and it's okay. different because sometimes so that's how that know, started. Yeah, when the audience is full, it's really funny because they're like you know really hiding. But when there's, we've had some nights where there's not quite as many people, and they're just they just like grab a couple chairs and watch the show. For, <laughs> but they yeah, but they chat, they keep up their characters, and like oh no, they're oh no, okay, they made it, it's okay. <laughs> oh, but they're going to oh, it's fine, okay, and they just keep going. It's mm-hmm. it's beautiful. Yeah, it, it's, it's all them. I had nothing. I can't take any credit for that. Oh, and the best joke in the show. Oh, I think I told you that I can't take credit for that either but you'll know it because it gets the hugest laugh and at that point i sit back and go you guys are awesome and i had nothing to do with it <laughs> well i mean there was there was a lot of good laughs in it and it was a very it was very enjoyable and oh, thank you we've i've definitely told people to go see it and i none of us were disappointed with it oh, we yeah, have i mentioned that you should go see the show yeah, i don't know if i've we, mentioned we, this we to our listeners but too, i'm gonna mention it myself hey what you really need to do is go see don't blink a dr hooper glass get gorilla tango and uh use that discount code busty 13 that's me by the way busty warren um, and in case you're curious, that is not my real name. It is also a burlesque <laughs> name. <gasps> Surprised, I know. Uh, that is um, an homage, by the way, to um, to Rusty Warren, who is a singer from the 
late 60s, who about eight of us remember, but <laughs> she was very funny, and she did a lot of very funny burlesque type songs, and so that's my homage. Uh, did so you have anything to do with... I was right, just going to ask. Yeah. I've been wondering. Did you? So was this the only show you wrote for them? This is the only right. show I have written for them, yes. And because my close personal friend, Ms. Pixie, is no longer involved, I probably won't write any more. Are you blooping again? Yeah, she's out. Bloody bloop. Oh, we lost her? What? Oh. oh. She's back. I, I'm back! Oh, she's back. Okay, good. That was quick. <laughs> we don't have a camera. But, um, she says they're naughty. <laughs> but, you know, it was a great show. We really enjoyed it. Uh, did you have anything to do with the music selection for the show? Yes, actually. Some of the songs were great. That was the director and Pixie and I sat together one afternoon. and uh, There's an excellent Massive Attack song in there that you don't hear anymore. And it's a great song. It, that one, came I, on, that I was, one I, compl- I was not in on that one. I got to say, that one song. came out of nowhere and it was so perfect. It is. found it's a great angel song. Um, uh, I was trying to not say what the scene was about. But well, okay. it, it's a massive attack song, and it has to do with Doctor Who. Most people are going to triangulate and figure out it's got an angel in it. We like making them work for it. Oh, you have to work for it? But hey, I didn't give them but all But that away. scene, the whoever plays the angel... That's, yeah, that, like, that's my Jane. Is, that's also that's Jane. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. When she's in the audience jumping oh, around, flying bit. around, Oh, that jumping phenomenal. around bit. Oh, she is... She's... She's she makes good. people stare at her because they're afraid she's going to eat them. She, <laughs> yeah, she's, no, she's got, got the whole thing. Because yeah. originally I envisioned that, you know, that. I wanted someone in the whole face, makeup, and, you know, the painted. And obviously there was never time to do that. No. So they, somebody made her a great pair of wings <laughs> and, and not much else. <laughs> and she goes out in the audience and uh, scares the living the out whole, of people. The, the whole <laughs> scene is so clever. The way uh, stuff stops and starts. I mean, it. It was really well done. That was hard. That was hard to do. The whole the timing of the of the uh, way the angel, you know, yeah. Because I wanted, you know, obviously, you can't, you never see the angels move hardly ever in the show. But well, now we know how they do. Now we know how <laughs> they do exactly. They kick a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was it was really well done. I like I like that scene a lot. But uh, the girls, thank you. Yeah. Uh, get a stipend of some sort. Uh, the girls actually get paid per show. Um, and they also get, uh, they split up the tips. So, uh, yeah, they make a few bucks. It's, uh, it's, that was one of the changes that came along with the $35 tickets was, uh, it used to be that the, they would get paid based on ticket sales for the month, blah, blah, blah. And it was complicated. And now it's just flat rate per show. And it's, it's pretty decent. I mean, the thing is that in most burlesque, you're doing a solo act or maybe with somebody else, and you're building your own costumes, you're doing your own choreography, you're doing your own rehearsals, and you are basically your own little show, and you pay for everything yourself. And you might get a show where you make 50 bucks, you know, and congratulations, you've just paid for your glitter budget for the month. <laughs> um, there's not, you know, nobody does it for the money. Uh, but, yeah, the, the uh, performers do get a little bit of money. So, you know, at le- you know, eh. Let's just say it covers parking and some drinks, so that's good. Oh, by the way, after the show, we all go to the Green Eye, so come party with us. (laughs) I'll see if I had that little audio recorder I have now. We could have went and interviewed people. I just wasn't thinking back then. You know, you could always come another night because we're still running. Did I mention we're still running? (laughs) You did. We could do that, too. Maybe this time Joanna can come. Yeah. Yes. I definitely want to come. Yeah, you totally need to see the show. It would have to be after September. Yeah, it'll be running. We like I said, it's cast through October right now, so it'll probably it'll run at oh, least through nice. then. Cool. Yeah. So well, I 
Yeah, I hate to do this, but because we're having such a great time, uh, unfortunately, I think that's about it for episode but sixteen. Because we're, I had eighteen more things to say. <laughs> no, okay. Make it quick. No. Uh, <laughs> so does that mean the next episode is going to be really weird, like on Fringe? Every episode seventeen of every season was bizarre. Was that a dog? No, she's out again. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, the episodes where they had like musical or animation or whatever on Fringe, five years. The seventeenth episode was bizarre in some way. Well, we could work on that. I but. think your seventeenth episode, in honor of Fringe, which I know isn't Doctor Who, but <laughs> is good, was very good science fiction well, who was in the my opinion. In season seventeen. Was there a season seventeen? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That would be. Would that be Tom Baker? No. 63, yeah, 64, 65. Because uh, the 20th is I don't Peter do, Davison. I remember that. I remember the 20th. I had a book about the 20th ep- the, anniversary. So yeah. I think that would be probably like Tom Baker's last season, I think. What, what the heck is that? What, what was that? Are you driving away? Are you getting kidnapped? She's back, she's back she, but I don't think her phone, she realizes it. I'm feeding in and out, so I'm probably, we'll cut it off here. Okay, well, we're glad you were able to join us, even though you're out and about. Happy 16. She's in a drag race, I think. Yeah, she just sounds like she just peeled out. Good luck. <laughs> Get that checkered flag. We'll, we'll, talk talk. We'll, talk to you, we'll talk to you later, See Joanna. you at the show. Bye-bye. No, <laughs> I, I, I hear your voice. I have no idea what you're saying. I'm going to assume it was it was nice, though, because if it wasn't, I'll come and get you. But if it was nice, <laughs> thank you. I think it's a safe assumption that she was saying something nice, yeah, don't she you? Was... And she's, oh, now you sound electric. It was nice talking to you, Busty. It's it was nice so- oh, to you. it was a pleasure talking to you as well. It t- sounds like you're in another dimension right now. So we're going to let your universe go. She's in e-space. <laughs> so we'll talk to you later, Joanna. Yes. All right, bye-bye. Bye. But um, we'd nope. like to thank Busty Warren for joining us. My pleasure. And thank you show. for having me on to completely dominate your 16th episode and not let anyone get a word in edgewise. Our pleasure, because usually they're used to being cut off by me. <laughs> uh, now they get to be cut off by me. I'm sorry about that. I, did you have anything else that you wanted to say that I interrupted? I'm, I apologize if I did that. I'm fine. Yeah, you sure? Yeah. I'm good. Okay. Yeah, it, it, was a, it was a great show. It was, you know, it's great you're, that you're an, a fan of the show. It's great that you wrote... All of us always think about, oh, we want to write something. We want, And I've written tons of stuff, and it just never goes anywhere. So f- to meet someone that actually wrote something and got it performed, I mean, it's well, really it, nice. Well, it helps to have a friend who's the producer, let me tell no, you that. It helps true. to have a friend who's the producer who desperately needs a script. That is really a great motivating <laughs> factor. I would think so. Yeah, think so. But uh, there was also pressure knowing, like, this is going to be performed before we can't do a reading of this. There's going to be no workshopping. This goes up as we write it. So that was some degree of pressure. But also that kind of makes you look very carefully at what you're writing and go, does this suck or does this only suck a little? Well, I, I guess it sucks a little. We'll go with that. Well, all I can tell you is I didn't think it sucked. Oh, I enjoyed thank it. you. Uh, I know yeah. Phil was there. Phil enjoyed it. Joanna upstairs enjoyed it. You enjoyed it. Did I tell you our, our, uh, our biggest compliment so far has come from uh, Lars Pearson, who is the publisher of Chicks Dig Time Lords and Queers Dig Time Lords mm-hmm. and Chicks Unravel Time and all that stuff. He came to the show. Uh, he was here for C2E2, came to the show just out of the blue, and uh, loved it, and came back, like, drove back from Des Moines, Iowa, like, two months later with his wife and another guy, and gave me a quote specifically to use on the poster, which is, the best Doctor Who experience I've had in 10 years. 
And you got to figure he's had a bunch. So yeah. that was mm-hmm. the most amazing thing that I had ever heard. And just to kind of reach that level of, again, it's for the fans. So if somebody who really knows the show likes it, like you guys and like him, then I've done my job. And we thank you for it. My pleasure. Anytime. <laughs> so just, yeah, I'll write an episode for you anytime. Nice. <laughs> so episode 17 will be completely scripted. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, it should be like sound effects and random things and bizarre We're going to do guests. an old-time an old radio, radio drama. Show. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 17. <laughs> da, 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 da. I'm available if you Somebody. want me to. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, again, thanks for joining us. And you are quite thank welcome. Thank you, the listeners, for listening. And go see Don't Blink at Dr. Huberlesque at Dr. <laughs> at Gorilla Tango. Gorilla Tango. <laughs> yes, they have not yet renamed the theater after me, but I really wish they would. No, that's at not bu- going to happen. The Busty Warren Auditorium. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Auditorium. It seats about 70 people. And don't forget to get your tickets at uh, com slash who and use the discount code Busty13 for $10 off that and any other Gorilla Tango burlesque show. Definitely. And we're planning on having another episode in probably two weeks. Although I think Wizard World's in two weeks. I don't know if we're going to have time, but we're going to try to. You should record at Wizard World. You should go there and do your show. Mm, Interview random people. Why not? Bring the equipment. Get thrown out. (laughs) Really? They don't let you do that? I don't know. I know Joanna wants us to be the official podcast of of Chicago Tartars. I go, I think there's some competition for that. There's a lot of other Doctor Who podcasts. First, we'd have to dethrone about 30 other so ones. So then you have to be the unofficial podcast. You could be the one unofficial podcast <laughs> of Chicago TARDIS. I'm totally in on that. So um, we'll see you later. And thanks for joining us. 